Welcome to Volume 9 of The Scarecrow of Oz. Chapter 20 Queen Gloria The next morning, the Scarecrow called upon all the courtiers and the people to assemble in the throne room of the castle, where there was enough room for all that were able to attend. They found the straw man seated upon the velvet cushions of the throne, with the king's glittering crown still upon his stuffed head. On one side of the throne, in a lower chair, sat Gloria, looking radiantly beautiful and fresh as a new-blown rose. On the other side sat Pon, the gardener's boy, still dressed in his old smock frock and looking sad and solemn, for Pon could not make himself believe that so splendid a princess would condescend to love him when she had come to her own and was seated upon the throne. Trot and Cap'n Bill sat at the feet of the Scarecrow and were much interested in the proceedings. Button Bright had lost himself before breakfast, but came into the throne room before the ceremonies were over. Back of the throne stood a row of the great orcs, with their leader in the center, and the entrance to the palace was guarded by more orcs, who were regarded with wonder and awe. When all were assembled, the Scarecrow stood up and made a speech. He told how Gloria's father, the good King Kind, who had once ruled them and been loved by everyone, had been destroyed by King Fierce, the father of Pon, and how King Fierce had been destroyed by King Cruel. This last king had been a bad ruler, as they knew very well, and the Scarecrow declared that the only one in all of Jinxland who had a right to sit upon the throne was Princess Gloria, the daughter of King Kind. But, he added, it's not for me, a stranger, to say who shall rule you. You must decide for yourselves, or you will not be content. So choose now who shall be your future ruler. And they all shouted, The, the Scarecrow! The, the Scarecrow shall rule us! Which proved that the stuffed man had made himself very popular by his conquest of King Cruel, and that the people thought they would like him for their king, but the Scarecrow shook his head so vigorously that it became loose, and Trot had to pin it firmly back onto his body again. No, he said, I belong to the land of Oz, where I am the humble servant of the lovely girl who rules us all, the royal Ozma. You must choose one of your own inhabitants to rule over Jinxland. Now, who shall it be? They hesitated for a moment, and some few cried, Pawn! But many more shouted, Gloria! So the Scarecrow took Gloria's hand and led her to the throne, where he first seated her and then took the glittering crown off his own head and placed it upon that of the young lady, where it nestled prettily among her soft curls. The people cheered and shouted then, kneeling before their new queen. But Gloria leaned down and took Pawn's hand in both her own and raised him to the seat beside her. You shall have both a king and a queen to care for you and to protect you, my dear subjects, she said in a sweet voice, while her face glowed with happiness. For Pon was a king's son before he became a gardener's boy, and because I love him, he is to be my royal consort. That pleased them all, especially Pon, who realized that this was the most important moment of all his life. Trot and Button Bright and Cap'n Bill all congratulated him on winning the beautiful Gloria, but the orc sneezed twice and said that in his opinion the young lady might have done better.
Then the scarecrow ordered the guards to bring in the wicked cruel, king no longer. And when he appeared, loaded with chains and dressed in fustian, the people hissed him and drew back as he passed so that their garments would not touch him. Cruel was not haughty or overbearing any more. On the contrary, he seemed very meek and in great fear of the fate his conquerors had in store for him. But Gloria and Pon were too happy to be revengeful, and so they offered to appoint Cruel to the position of gardener's boy at the castle, Pon having resigned to become king. But they said that he must promise to reform his wicked ways and to do his duty faithfully, and he must change his name from Cruel to Gruel. All this the man eagerly promised to do, and so, when Pon retired to a room in the castle to put on his princely raiment, the old brown smock he had formerly worn was given to Gruel, who then went out into the garden to water the roses. The remainder of that famous day, which was long remembered in Jinxland, was given over to feasting and merrymaking. In the evening, there was a grand dance in the courtyard where the brass band played a new piece of music called the Orc Trot, which was dedicated to our glorious Gloria, the Queen. While the Queen and Pon were leading this dance, and all the Jinxland people were having a good time, the strangers were gathered in a group in the park outside the castle. Cap'n Bill, Trot, Button Bright, and the Scarecrow were there, and so was their old friend the Orc. But of all the great flock of Orcs which had assisted in the conquest, but three remained in Jinxland, besides their leader the others having returned to their own country as soon as Gloria was crowned queen. To the young orc who had accompanied them in their adventures, Captain Bill said, You've surely been a friend in need, and we're mighty grateful to you for helping us. I might have been a grasshopper yet if it hadn't been for you, and I might remark that being a grasshopper isn't all that much fun. If it hadn't been for you, friend orc, said the scarecrow, I fear I could not have conquered King Cruel. No, agreed Trot. You'd have been just a heap of ashes by this time. And I might have been lost yet, added Button Bright. Much obliged, Mr. Orc. Oh, that's all right, replied the Orc. Friends have to stand together, you know, or they wouldn't be friends. But now I've got to leave you and be off to my own country where there's like going to be a surprise party for my uncle, and I've promised to attend it. Dear me, said the Scarecrow regretfully, that's so very unfortunate. Why so? asked the Orc. I hoped you'd consent to carry us over those mountains into the land of Oz. My mission here is finished now, and I want to get back to the Emerald City. How did you cross the mountains before? inquired the Orc. I scaled the cliff by means of a rope and crossed the great gulf on a strand of spider web. Of course, I can return in the same manner, but it would be a hard journey and probably impossible for Trot and Button Bright and Captain Bill. So I thought that if you had the time, you and your people could carry us over the mountains and land us all safely on the other side in the land of Oz. The orc thoughtfully considered the matter for a while and then said, Oh, I mustn't break my promise to be present at the surprise party. But tell me, could you go to Oz tonight? What, now? exclaimed Trot. Well, it's a fine moonlit night, said the orc, and I've found in my experience that there's no time so good as right away. The fact is, 
It's a long journey to Orkland, and I and my cousins here are all rather tired by our day's work. But if you'll start now and be content to allow us to carry you over the mountains and dump you on the other side, just say the word and off we'll go. Captain Bill and Trot looked at one another questioningly. The little girl was eager to visit the famous fairyland of Oz, and the old sailor had endured such hardships in Jinxland that he would be glad to be out of it. It's rather impolite of us not to say goodbye to the new king and queen, remarked the scarecrow. But I'm sure they're too happy to miss us. And I assure you it'll be much easier to fly on the backs of the orcs over those steep mountains than to climb as I did. All right, let's go, Trot decided. But where's Button Bright? Just at this moment, Button Bright was lost again, and they all scattered in search of him. He had been standing beside them just a few minutes before, but his friends had an exciting hunt for him before they finally discovered the boy seated among the members of the band, beating the end of the brass drum with the bone of a turkey leg that he had taken from the table of the banquet room. Hello, Trot, he said, looking at the little girl when she found him. This is the first chance I've ever had to pound a drum with a regular drumstick, and I ate all the meat off the bone myself. Come quick, we're going to the land of Oz. Oh, what's the hurry? said Button Bright. But she seized his arm and dragged him away to the park, where the others were waiting. Trot climbed onto the back of her old friend, the orc leader, and the others took their seats on the backs of the three cousins. As soon as all were in place and clinging to the skinny necks of the creatures, the revolving tails began to whirl, and up rose the four monster orcs, and sailed away toward the mountains. They were so high in the air that when they passed the crest of the highest peak, it seemed far below them. No sooner were they well across the barrier than the orcs swooped downward and landed their passengers upon the ground. Here we are, safe in the land of Oz, cried the scarecrow joyfully. Oh, we are? asked Trot, looking around her curiously. She could see the shadows of stately trees and the outlines of rolling hills. Beneath her feet was soft turf, but otherwise the subdued light of the moon disclosed nothing clearly. Seems just like any other country, was Captain Bill's comment. But it isn't, the scarecrow assured him. You are now within the borders of the most glorious fairyland in all the world. This part of it is just a corner of the quadling country, and the least interesting portion of it. It's not very thickly settled around here, I'll admit, but... He was interrupted by a sudden whir and a rush of air as the four orcs mounted into the sky. Good night, called the shrill voices of the strange creatures. And although Trot shouted good night as loudly as she could, the little girl was almost ready to cry because the orcs had not waited to be properly thanked for all their kindness to her and Captain Bill. But the orcs were gone, and thanks for good deeds do not amount to much except to prove one's politeness. Well, friends, said the scarecrow, we mustn't stay here in the meadow all night, so let's find a pleasant place to sleep. Not that it matters to me, in the least, for I never sleep, but I know that meat people like to shut their eyes and lie still during the dark hours. I'm pretty tired, admitted Trot, yawning as she followed the straw man along a tiny path. So, if you don't find a house handy... Captain Bill and I will sleep under the trees, or even on this soft grass. But a house was not very far off. 
although when the scarecrow stumbled upon it there was no light in it whatsoever. Captain Bill knocked on the door several times, and there being no response, the scarecrow boldly lifted the latch and walked in, followed by the others. And no sooner had they entered than a soft light filled the room. Trot couldn't tell where it came from, for no lamp of any sort was visible, but she did not waste much time on this problem, because directly in the center of the room stood a table set for three, with lots of good food on it, and several of the dishes smoking hot. The little girl and Button Bright both uttered exclamations of pleasure, but they looked in vain for any cook stove or fireplace, or for any person who might have prepared for them this delicious feast. It's a fairyland, muttered the boy, tossing his cap in the corner and seating himself at the table. This supper smells most as good as that turkey leg I had in Jinxland. Please pass the muffins, Captain Bill. Trot thought it was strange that no people but themselves were in the house, but on the wall opposite the door was a gold frame bearing in big letters the word WELCOME. So she had no further hesitation in eating the food so mysteriously prepared for them. But there are only places for three, she exclaimed. Three is quite enough, said the scarecrow. I never eat because I'm already stuffed full, and I like my nice clean straw better than I do food. Trot and the sailor man were hungry and made a hearty meal for not since they had left home had they tasted such good food. It was surprising that Button Bright could eat so soon after his feast in Jinxland, but the boy always ate whenever there was an opportunity. If I don't eat now, he said, the next time I'm hungry I'll wish I had. Really, Cap'n Bill, remarked Trot when she found a dish of ice cream appear beside her plate. I believe this is a fairyland sure enough. Oh, there's no doubt about it, Trot, he answered gravely. I've been here before, said Button Bright, so I know. After supper, they discovered three tiny bedrooms adjoining the big living room of the house, and in each room was a comfortable white bed and downy pillows. You may be sure that the tired mortals were not long in bidding the scarecrow good night and creeping into their beds, where they slept soundly until morning. For the first time since they set eyes on the terrible whirlpool, Trot and Cap'n Bill were free from anxiety and care. Button Bright never worried about anything. The Scarecrow, not being able to sleep, looked out the window and tried to count the stars. Chapter 21 Dorothy, Betsy, and Ozma I suppose many of my readers have read descriptions of the beautiful and magnificent Emerald City of Oz, so I need not describe it here except to state that never has any city in any fairyland ever equaled this one in stately splendor. It lies almost exactly in the center of the land of Oz, and in the center of the Emerald City rises the wall of glistening emeralds that surrounds the Palace of Ozma. The palace is almost a city in itself, and is inhabited by many of the ruler's special friends and those who have won her confidence and favor. As for Ozma herself, there are no words in any dictionary I can find that are fitted to describe this young girl's beauty of mind and person. Merely to see her is to love her for her charming face and manners. To know her is to love her for her tender sympathy, her generous nature, her truth and honor. Born of a long line of fairy queens, Ozma is nearly perfect as any fairy may be, and she is noted for her wisdom as well as as for her other qualities. 
Her happy subjects adore their girl ruler, and each one considers her a comrade and protector. At the time of which I write, Ozma's best friend and most constant companion was a little Kansas girl named Dorothy, a mortal who had come to the land of Oz in a very curious manner and had been offered a home in Ozma's palace. Furthermore, Dorothy had been made a princess of Oz and was as much at home in the royal palace as was the gentle ruler. She knew almost every part of the great country and almost all of its numerous inhabitants. Next to Ozma, she was loved better than anyone in all of Oz, for Dorothy was simple and sweet, seldom became angry, and had such a friendly, chummy way that she made friends wherever she wandered. It was she who had first brought the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodsman and the Cowardly Lion to the Emerald City. Dorothy had also introduced to Ozma the Shaggy Man and the Hungry Tiger, as well as Belina, the Yellow Hen, Eureka, the Pink Kitten, and many other delightful characters and creatures. Coming as she did from our world, Dorothy was much like many other girls we knew, so there were times when she was not so wise as she might have been, and other times when she was obstinate and got herself into trouble. But life in a fairyland had taught the little girl to accept all sorts of surprising things as matters of course, for while Dorothy was no fairy, but just a mortal as we are, she had seen more wonders than most mortals ever do. Another little girl from outside our world also lived in Ozma's palace. This was Betsy Bobbin, whose strange adventures had brought her to the Emerald City, where Ozma had cordially welcomed her. Betsy was a shy little thing and could never get used to the marvels that surrounded her, but she and Dorothy were firm friends and thought themselves very fortunate to be living together in this delightful country. One day, Dorothy and Betsy were visiting Ozma in the girl ruler's private apartment, and among the things that especially interested them was Ozma's magic picture, set in a handsome frame and hung upon the wall of the room. This picture was a magic one because it constantly changed its scenes and showed events and adventures happening in all parts of the world. Thus, it was really a moving picture of life, and if the one who stood before it wished to know what any absent person was doing, the picture instantly showed that person with his or her surroundings. The two girls were not wishing to see anyone in particular on this occasion, but merely enjoyed watching the shifting scenes, some of which were exceedingly curious and remarkable. Suddenly, Dorothy exclaimed, Why, there's Button Bride! And this drew Ozma also to look at the picture, for she and Dorothy knew the boy well. Who's Button Bride? asked Betsy who had never met him. Why, he's a little boy who is just getting off the back of that strange flying creature, exclaimed Dorothy. Then she turned to Ozma and asked, What is that thing, Ozma? A bird? I've never seen anything like it before. It is an orc, answered Ozma, for they were watching the scene where the orc and the three big birds were first landing their passengers in Jinxland after the long flight across the desert. I wonder, added the girl ruler musingly, why those strangers dare venture into that unfortunate country, which is ruled by such a wicked king? That girl and the one-legged man seem to be mortals from the outside world, said Dorothy. The man isn't one-legged, corrected Betsy. He has one wooden leg. Well, that's almost as bad, declared Dorothy, watching Captain Bill stump around. They are three mortal adventurers, said Ozma. 
and they seem worthy and honest. But I fear they will be treated badly in Jinxland, and if they meet with any misfortune there, it will reflect upon me, for Jinxland is part of my dominions. Can't we help them in any way? Inquired Dorothy. That seems like a nice little girl. I'd be sorry if anything happened to her. Let us watch the picture for a while," suggested Ozma. And so they all drew chairs before the magic picture, and followed the adventures of Trot and Cap'n Bill and Button Bright. Presently, the scene shifted and showed their friend, the Scarecrow, crossing the mountains into Jinxland. And that somewhat relieved Ozma's anxiety, for she knew at once that Glinda the Good had sent the Scarecrow to protect the strangers. The adventures in Jinxland proved very interesting to the three girls in Ozma's palace, who during the succeeding days spent much of their time in watching the picture. It was like a story to them. That little girl is a regular trump," declared Dorothy, referring to Trot. And Ozma answered, "She's a dear little thing, and I'm sure nothing very bad will happen to her." The old sailor is a fine character too, for he has never once grumbled over being a grasshopper, as so many would have done. When the scarecrow was so nearly burned up, the girls all shivered a little, and they clapped their hands in joy when the flock of orcs came and saved him. So it was that when all the exciting adventures in Jinxland were over, and the four orcs had begun their flight across the mountains to carry the mortals into the land of Oz. Ozma called the wizard to her and asked him to prepare a place for the strangers to sleep. The famous wizard of Oz was a quaint little man who inhabited the royal palace and attended to all the magical things that Ozma wanted done. He was not as powerful as Glinda, to be sure, but he could do a great many wonderful things. He proved this by placing a house in the uninhabited part of the Quadling Country, where the orcs landed Cap'n Bill and Trot and Button Bright. And fitting it with all the comforts I have described in the last chapter, the next morning, Dorothy said to Ozma, "Hadn't we go meet the strangers so that we can show them the way to the Emerald City? I'm sure that little girl will feel shy in this beautiful land, and I know if it was me, I'd like somebody to give me a welcome." Ozma smiled at her little friend and answered, "You and Betsy may go to meet them if you wish, but I cannot leave my palace just now." As I am to have a conference with Jack Pumpkinhead and Professor Wogglebug on important matters, you may take the sawhorse and the red wagon, and if you start soon, you will be able to meet the Scarecrow and the strangers at Glinda's palace. Oh, thank you! Cried Dorothy, and went away to tell Betsy and to make preparations for the journey.